0: This is Dr. Jose Saldívar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. And um, today, today is such a treat. (laughs) Today is, uh, I've been really looking forward to this episode um, just because, so I know this young lady, Gosh, I don't know. Over twenty years now, and um, thanks for but... calling me young. You <laughs> are. <laughs> you are. And then you said,
1: and then said, "I've known you for more than twenty years," and it's kind of like I don't
0: know. <laughs> We're still young. I I don't know about you. We I are. still feel young, right? So it's true. Um, but I, I've really been looking forward to this because you are. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've, you know, follow you on social media and you do amazing things and meet amazing people. You've got a beautiful family. And, um, and so I've, I've just been eager to talk to you and, um, because I, I think, cause I know you, but I don't really know your story. And so I'm looking for, I've been looking forward to this. So, so Erica, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Jay. And sorry to interrupt your intro with me; I couldn't even let that one go. Uh, but I've been—I'm really looking forward to this too, because as you said, we've known each other a long time, going back to our college days. Um, but we haven't kept up, other than you know the way you—you you follow people. You have like a general sense of how they are, but not, you know, you can't really dig in on the Facebook or Instagram posts. Um, And yeah, I, I'm excited to have this conversation. I understand that this is really about, uh, you know, the journey to college. And this is a great moment of reflection for me to think about how, how that happened for me and also the pathways that were opened up uh, from there. But I, I, you know we met at Stanford. I was I was probably a freshman, you were probably a sophomore because you're you are a year ahead of me. Um but before then, you know, I'm I am a Tehana, I am an El Pasoan. I uh Jay knows this because we were connecting over social over the weekend, but I actually just landed back home, which home for me is in New York City now, but I was back home at my original home in El Paso this past weekend uh, for a cousin's baby shower, celebrating with family, which is always wonderful and always fun, but was especially fun uh, because, you know, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen them given the pandemic I'd seen my parents, but not my extended family in more than a year. So it was just extra sweet to be together. Um, and so I feel like I've just kind of done that journey again, even coming here. But I, I grew up on the border. Um, my parents were uh, public school educators. And I think that's had a really meaningful uh, impact on my life and the opportunities and the uh, the ability to think dream big and being encouraged Um, but i went to you know k through 12 in el paso public schools and then uh this is like too short a version i'll get into the detail of it but you know got into stanford and that was like a one of those golden tickets of life that really opened up a lot of doors for me um and I don't know how far you want me to take it to now, but you know, I I was a poli sci major. I, were you a poli sci major?
0: I was not. I I did um, I did Chicano studies. I did um, what is it? CSRE, uh, mm-hmm. comparative studies in race and ethnicity. Um. So yeah, but we, you know, I feel
1: I mean, like we must have been in some, you know, those like dual courses that, between poli sci because I don't remember now. I have a bad memory since it was twenty years ago, but. I I feel like we might have been in classes together, um, or we were just meeting at uh, Casa Zapata or at El Centro Chicano, um, and yeah, I was a poli sci major, and my early career was in politics, and I don't, and I still love politics and campaigns, but that's you know wild work for as you get older. So now I work in media.
0: So let me let me ask Erica, you know, going back to growing up in El Paso. You know, you said both parents, public school educators, and, you know, obviously fortunate to get into Stanford, but even before, even before Stanford, what is it that you wanted to do? What did you aspire to do, you know, as a high school kid, as a young girl growing up on the border?
1: Yeah, I thought I was going to go, uh, I was going to go to law school and be a lawyer um, mm. and, It came up for me this past weekend, you know, seeing all of my mom's comadres and, you know, they hadn't seen me in so long. So I was like, oh, you're a lawyer. Right. And I realized they think I'm a lawyer. Uh, because they probably remember me talking about how I was going to go to law school as a kid, yeah. and I—I I I don't know if I disappointed them. I was like, no, I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but I—you know—I had to learn that for myself, and I'm—I I don't regret it at all. I would have been a terrible lawyer, um, but I think I thought I wanted to be a lawyer when I was young because, well, my mother would say that it was because I was argumentative, um, <laughs> but I, I would say that it was because you know I liked taking the case of the little guy. Yeah. Um, and that I definitely learned from my parents. Um, you know, my mom, who's a teacher, of, like third and fourth grades, and, you know, one of the poorest parts of the city. Uh, and my father, who was also a teacher, but then became an administrator uh, for one of the school districts. And he really, his focus was on creating more equity in education. Um, so I think like the dinner table conversations that led to, me to believe that I should be a lawyer was about like talking about the issues of our time and seeing our community and, and wanting to create change. So I think in the end, I am doing the work that I, in my, you know, first years, I could only like, uh, describe as being a lawyer, Mm -hmm. but I do different work, um, that I think I'm, I'm better suited to than I would have been, you know, I think I would have been a terrible law student, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> like maybe I've been a fine lawyer, but I would have been a bad law student. And you know, why Why? I
0: mean, law why do you say that? Why do you think that? Because you seem oh. you seem like like you know, I I'm by all accounts, what I've seen, the work that you've done and that you've shared, I mean, you seem incredibly passionate about the work that you do. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I I know plenty of lawyers, and it feels like like, man, passion can carry you a long way.
1: <laughs> and, yeah. and
0: that you've got plenty of that.
1: Yeah, I'm being a little self-disparaging, obviously, <laughs> but I and I have worked around and with a lot of lawyers, in particular people who work in policy. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful to work in in the world of my my current job isn't very policy focused, but I've had some focused work in policy as well. And I think being, you know shoulder to shoulder with lawyers i realized that i'm i don't have the same amount of patience mm. uh, to make change in that way mm-hmm. and i and that's part of why i work in media i think it's i work on a faster cycle yes. that hopefully leads to move the bigger uh, work in law and policy, but where, you know, to be the one who, you know, to pass major legislation on any issue, it's like a decade long process. And I think it's part of why I started my career in electoral politics. Like I like campaigns uh, and campaigns has a, can mean a lot of different things, but in politics, you know, you got election days, you pick your person or your issue or your party, and there's an end date. And, yeah. and I'm a, I was never an athlete, but I have like a, the enjoyment of the com- competition. Yeah. Um, and politics for me was like the ultimate, uh, you know, sport that matters Yeah. that you, and you fight for your team and man, when you lose, it hurts. But, uh, I like, I like having, um, moments of you know to to either win or lose wi- uh, learn from from your losses yeah and so i still want to like advance you know things that take a long time but i'd like yeah. for my work to have shorter timelines to try to drive change forward
0: i like that i like that yeah makes makes perfect sense um so you find yourself at stanford and you know, what was that experience like for you? I mean, cause I mean, it's, I, I think we all, you know, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I think we all enjoyed it. Right. But what is it, what about the experience maybe stands out to you?
1: Yeah. When I think about my first days, uh, it was really, uh, and I loved it. I loved my experience. I'm really grateful for it. But wow, was it uh, a shift, mm-hmm. um, you know, where I was coming from and where I landed were very different worlds. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful for what got me there. You know, I had really supportive parents who told me to dream big and gave me wings um, And, you know, I I mentioned my father and the work that he did as an administrator and, you know, creating fight, continuing to fight for more educational equity at our like dinner tables. I understood what, you know, then we called it the um, achievement gap and now Uh the opportunity gap before those terms existed, you know, because he was trying to prepare me, even though he, you know, he went to UTEP. Every he he and my mom were some of the few family members that had gone to college um, and locally. And he he was trying to prepare me. It's like your father always knows best, but you don't want to like believe it until you experience it. That even though you know I was working, a hardworking student, a smart student, that there would be a disparity between the education I was receiving in El Paso and what I would find amongst my peers at Stanford. And so that was real, you know, I, and I think this is true for, a lot of us that like I went from being, I wasn't the valedictorian, but I was, I was also very involved in student council and, and yeah. school newspaper and a t- orchestra, a ton of activities. I was a well-rounded student uh, and I made good grades and I got in. Um, but then you find yourself in a, in a place like Stanford and it's like, whoa, <laughs> uh, I'm not the best student anymore. You know, you're with all of the other best students from around the country. yeah And, that's just very like, you know, uh, sobering or it it just, it it rebalances you in a different place and state of mind and, you know, recognized how I needed to work harder um, and was, was like ready to do that and did it. But it was, it was, it was a culture shock and, you know, the economics of college too, were, you know, El Paso, is not, not a wealthy place. Um, and my parents were educators and I felt like I never thought about those things until I felt myself in a position where like there was like comparison points. Um, and I actually never was hung up about it and I was grateful for that, but it was real, you know, and I actually, one of my very best friends was my freshman roommate. Her name is Jenny. Uh, And she was from Palo Alto and went to one of the private schools in Palo Alto. And her family was so warm. They're still very, they're family to me. Um, But there was a big difference in where we were coming from. And I thought, I think that's part of the experience. uh, And that I was really grateful for meeting kids from not only around the country, but around the world. And some like me or from different parts of Texas, like you, but also, you know, really different experiences coming together for the same, you know, different pathways and different focus areas, but a quality education. And that's been such a a benefit and privilege for my, that I'm grateful for in my life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I can totally connect with everything that you said, you know, my roommate, um, my freshman year roommate, um, dan ross (laughs) dan ross was from mill valley and i remember going out to his parents house and uh you know uh, if you knew my roommate and his family they were incredibly humble and really sweet and um you know you, you you talk about comparison points right so just meeting dan talking to dan and you see the two of us side by side you you It's difficult to distinguish, and then you know, we're driving up to his house, and it's on the side of a mountain, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) It is like, holy,
1: holy crap! Wow. Oh, Uh, um, nice. Yeah,
0: I was like, wow, Dad, this is a, you know, this is a beautiful home (laughs) you have here. But yeah, incredibly blessed and fortunate to, to like you said, just meet, to have that perspective, to meet people like you, and then people from around the world, and just just so many. And they got to meet us.
1: Yeah, we absolutely. Got to have us as roommates, and we have yeah. to change how they view the world. And I absolutely, I will say, Jenny again, like, and I don't know, if people know, but at Stanford, it's totally random. You know, yeah. like, there's no selection, or you just show up, and you actually haven't been connected beforehand. I think it's just still this way, and you meet them when you're like rolling your bags in to a room, and. I'm sure there's some, you know, important work that somebody does over that summer between graduating from high school and placing you to, like, hopefully they work out. It's a bit of a social experiment. (laughs) And Jenny, you know, stood beside me at my wedding and she's now, she works in Google in diversity recruiting. And I, so like in her early, I mean, a lot of Stanford people work at Google and I'm like, why don't we work at Google? (laughs) But in any case, she I I do believe that like she had a real she and her family had a major impact on my life. And I and when she would be so proud to tell me, like, I really want to make sure that we're doing recruiting, at HBCUs and MSIs, like I I know that like my presence in her life had something to do with that. So that's that's what's cool about college and like, you know, leaving the nest and meeting different yeah. people um is you know, they shape your life forever.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that. And yeah, I love that. I love your And
1: I'm sure Dan Russ, it's Dan, right? Dan, he's probably yeah. like, well, Jay, there, you touched his life. <laughs> I have no idea of your friends, but in my freshman story, we're, yeah. we're still very good friends. So we get wow. to talk about it.
0: Yeah. I don't get to, he's not, he's not very active on social media, Um, but you know, every well, once You'll in see a while, him
1: at your reunion next.
0: Yeah. I next hope so. Fall. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope Hopefully. so. Um. So, you know, you, here you are, you're, you're graduating from Stanford. And then what was next? What was next for you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, so I was a poli-sci major and I started working on a campaign uh, while I was still a student. Um, there was this, I, I was really active in the Stanford Democrats mm-hmm. Um which is is, was consistent with like who I was in high school. I was like in, in all the clubs. Right. And so I got to Stanford and that was one of the clubs that I was really interested in. And I started working for a campaign for this guy who was running for state controller. His name was, is Steve Wesley. Um, And when we graduated in June, the election was in November. So I had a job which, you know, made all my parents, my parents happy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At least a, a short-term plan, uh, yeah. and he won, and and so I moved to Sacramento for about a year um, to work in the state controller's office, and that was super cool and different. I worked in government. Um, Sacramento's a really cool town that I don't know if I would have lived in otherwise, but um, it's like a it's, a it's a state capitals, you know. There's a lot of activity. It was also during the time that the Sacramento Kings were like really good, and <laughs> it was also the same time that um, the recall election happened that elected mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it yeah. just felt like a really fun and happening place. But, you know, I didn't plan it that way. It was just like a, an interesting time to be living yeah. there. Um, but I realized that I wanted to work. I love campaigns. And this, you have to remember the year is now 2002 and three Um, and the 2004 election was coming up. And I, as a Democrat, you know, was going to, I was, I wanted to work on a presidential. I had like watched enough West Wing uh, and other, you know, popular media about presidential elections that I knew that was something I wanted to do. And so I went to work for the Kerry campaign. Um, which, you know, will tell you a story about loss and why I sometimes lament that like, oh, if only I had been eight years younger, my first presidential campaign out of college would have been, you know, for Obama. And it would have been, life would have taken a totally different course. Um, But that, I got Kerry and I'm so glad I worked for him. I think he's been a a better president than another Bush term. Sorry, Texans, I know you're you're listening. Um, I'm a Texan too but, but, you know, that, that was a lesson in, Oh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Um, but I love the experience. And I will actually say on the Kerry campaign, uh, I was in Boston for part of the time because I worked on the convention, which was in Boston that year. And I worked in Washington because that's where the headquarters were for part of the time, but for the last month um, and campaigns are still this way, you know, the staff is, is doing better work if they are in battleground states. And so when the time came close to the end of the campaign to head out to one of the states, I was like raising my hand to go to New Mexico because I'm from El Paso. And because, you know, that was close to home and I knew the media market, I was a press secretary. So I, I did go back uh, to La- I was in Las Cruces, which is, you know, not El Paso, but like sister cities. Yeah. Um, and that was exciting. And I I learned a lot and in work like that, you make long lasting friends that I had both from the California campaigns and the carry campaigns and, and I, and we lost and it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided, you know, I want to learn more about um, communications because that was the part of, political campaign work that I gravitated towards that I was, yeah. that I was already doing, but I had not really learned any hard skills in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that took me through, through the campaign. And I, I moved back to Boston in part, cause that's where my, uh, my partner, my husband, now husband, but then boyfriend was living. Um, and I had, it got it in my head that like, oh, I should learn about communications in like a corporate environment and I worked at a company called Fidelity Investments, which I you know, when I think about my journey, I, I love talking about the parts where I like you know you hit a speed bump or you or you, you it's not a wrong turn, but yeah. you learn what you didn't didn't want to do. Um, Um, And law school, like I actually interned at Stanford Law School uh, at Stanford. And that was part of the like lesson that like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to be this. And that was really meaningful for me. Similarly, the year I spent as a spokesperson, you know, working in media relations for a financial services company was I did learn a lot of hard skills, like, you know, improved my writing and uh, public speaking abilities Uh, presentations, but I also learned that that was not, uh, you know, the career that I wanted to focus on. Um, And that led me to work in public affairs firms for about a decade. And that I loved. I loved working in an agency environment where some of my clients were companies like financial services, and some of them were nonprofits and you know, focused on causes and some were political campaigns or candidates and issues. Uh, and where my, my role was to be essentially a storyteller uh, yeah. and figure out the right way to tell stories and engage people. Um, and, and that's, that's really where my career, I think blossomed. It was uh, getting that experience in public affairs agencies.
0: Okay. I'm going to stop you. Um so full disclosure a little bit. So this podcast, um, so a couple of my colleagues and I, we started a consulting group and do educational consulting, college readiness type stuff, just because, you know, working with first year students, we felt like, um, you know, we talked about opportunity gap, achievement gap. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think this was confirmed for me when I was on the school board um, I could see it. I could see the gap with my students. And so for me, it was, it was a very personal issue and trying to close that gap and, and just equipping students with the knowledge, right. Just information. And, you know, it was, it was a, a, a great learning experience for me to be on the school board and to be like one to run a campaign and to win and to lose. But I think just serving, serving in public office like that was incredibly educational. Um, But I was I think I grew incredibly frustrated because a lot of the schools, it felt like like we were telling kids, you've got to figure out what you need to do with your life by 18, by 17, by 16. You know, and and it feels like it it feels like we want to do it earlier and earlier. Mm. And I thought, you know, as a kid coming from South Texas, I I knew jobs, but I didn't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I could tell you I wanted to be a lawyer, right? Or an architect. I had no idea what I needed to do. Right. My father painted cars and my mother was in medical sales. Neither of them finished college. <clears throat> but they told, you know, they stressed the importance of it. But I like I didn't personally know an attorney. I, mm-hmm. I didn't I I knew my family physician, but and so for me, like the podcast was just like and I mean it it I wanted to serve it to serve a number of purposes. I figured, you know what, I, here I am fortunate enough to have this incredible network of people that are doing amazing things, but I have a, sus- sp- sp- uh, what is it, um, a suspicious feeling that most of them didn't plan. I mean, didn't plan <laughs> in so much as, uh, this is exactly what I expected to be doing when I was 18, 19.
1: Yeah. And for the okay. most part,
0: it, yeah, and for the most part, it's, it's, that's what's, you know, has been worn out. Right, it, it has been absolutely true that we learn along the way. Mm-hmm. We we take advantage of internships and opportunities, and um, you know we challenge ourselves. and And so, I really appreciate your story because you know, young Erica, younger Erica in El Paso wanted to be an attorney, (laughs) wanted to be a lawyer, and then goes away um, to this wonderful institution and has phenomenal experiences, but experiences that inform what it is that you think, right, That, that kind of feed and inform what you want to be doing. And then even then, right, because I think a lot of my students, they come in with a sense that when I graduate, the job that I get is going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's rarely, right. We're not li- living in 1960s America where you're going to work yeah. for a, an auto manufacturer and, and, gra- and retire, right. With a pension no. So, so I, you know, I have a hard time convincing my students that. And so part of the podcast was I'll let people tell their stories yeah. because I think the stories you are going to say, are going to inform that. It's going to be a narrative that's, that's going to be pretty consistent and that, you know, you 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 take advantage of opportunities, you learn as much as you can, you learn a lot about yourself along the way, and mm-hmm. and you seek out those opportunities that you know you're gonna are gonna be fulfilling and are gonna be enriching. And sometimes we have some missteps or some wrong turns, but we, you know, I think sort of correct our path in some
1: respects. Totally. Yeah. yeah I there's no way 18 year old Erica could have said, This is what 41 year old Erica is going to be like, yeah. and she couldn't have even dreamt it. Like it, it wasn't in my scope of understanding the yeah. opportunities that have become available. I hope I can say that like about 50 year old Erica, you know, I don't, I, I, it is scary, but it's exciting to, yeah. to uh, sort of let yourself um Go on the journey. It doesn't mean that you're not preparing and that you're not, you know, doing the right things and that you're not navigating Mm -hmm. um, because you also have to drive. You also have to know where you want to go and where you don't want to go. But even when I talk about, you know, the experiences that I had, and there were a lot of them, I was like, internships were great opportunities to test things out, you know, like just do that for a summer or semester and see if you actually even like that industry or that company or that work Um, and my best internship was uh, I went to Washington I got to go to Washington for a summer um, and I worked in a democratic fundraising organization and I realized oh I don't want to be a fundraiser like, I don't really like the money part. I actually do some of that, like, for fun now. Like, have that be my job. I didn't, I, and it helped to lead me more in the communications realm of politics. So I, yeah, I don't even really think of them as missteps as much as they were learning experiences that helped to put me, uh, or solidify more about what I knew I, I did want to work on and what I've been mm-hmm. able to work on and, and where, you know, uh, doors have opened and windows have opened and when switches were necessary, you know, you, you figure it out, but now, you know, this far in, I feel comfortable with the flexibility, remaining flexible and open to opportunities.
0: So let me ask you, Erica, tell us, what are you doing now? Tell us about the work that you do now.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's part of why, as I said, I couldn't have named what I do now 20 years ago. Um, I am, uh, I, I work for a big media company called Biocom CBS, uh, and I work for a group of brands within that company, uh, including MTV, Comedy Central, VH1, Logo, CMT, it's, it's, it's a handful of, of others, but those are some of the most recognizable ones. Uh, and I am a vice president for social impact strategy. Uh, So what does that mean? Uh, I develop campaigns that drive our viewers from, frankly, passive, highly entertained, but passive viewers to action takers on uh, important social issues. So whether that is, you know, just in the last year or so, um, you know, developing campaigns to help people understand the importance of social distancing and and masking when that was something that we all needed to learn uh two marches ago uh to uh, running major campaigns to get people out to vote and be more civically engaged, get people registered to vote, help them learn how to vote uh, by mail or absentee for the first time since that became, uh, you know, such a big priority this past year because of the pandemic. Recruiting a new generation of poll workers, uh, which also became necessary because of the pandemic. And to ensure that we would have safe and fair elections everywhere, you know, whatever there are many pressing social issues, and I get to come up with ways for our content. You know, whether that's in our shows, um, like helping to advise The Daily Show on when they cover important topics, what what organizations they should talk to or work with, who they should. You know, throw their audience to at the end of that segment uh, to developing campaigns on their own that help reach our viewers to do, to take important actions, uh, whether it's voting or for their mental health, like it, or for racial justice. Like yeah. they're just so, there's so much work to do. And I feel grateful that most of my time is spent uh, figuring out how to, how to reach our audience and how to create change in the world
0: sounds like a dream job.
1: <laughs> it, it is. I feel really lucky to do it. This whole, you know, realm, I, social impact is is like a relatively new body of work um, that, again, well, like at Stanford, it wasn't a major, you know? That's yeah. the other thing. When you talked about, you know, your experience and working with students and, who feel like they need to know at 18 what they're going to do or they need to have the job right after they graduate that they're going to have for the rest of their lives. Like this wasn't a job when I went to college. Uh, It's, it's, I mean, maybe it was, but it was just starting. And even now I feel like I'm a part of helping to evolve what it means for a company or a brand to uh, take on social issues and and to do it right. And, and there's a lot of criticism of that. for some, for very good reasons of like, you know, brands just putting up black squares for Black Lives Matter, but then like not having any black leadership in their executives, like, well, that's not okay. So, you know, that's, that is the frontier of a, of a career that I'm, I'm working in and I'm excited about it and agree to your earlier point that you really don't have to have it all figured out. (laughs) And I think it's harder, especially for, you know, first-generation college students uh, not to justify, but to like explain why you're going to go and spend all this money on college and maybe go away from home for the first time and not have it all figured out. I think it's a harder explanation if you are the first in your family to go and do something like that. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, many generations in and having that like flexibility. Like I knew what my major was from day one at Stanford. Because, and I never changed it. And mm-hmm. I had plenty of friends and classmates who, you know, had the flexibility to explore more. Um, I don't think I would have had a different major in the end, but that's just one like microcosm of the difference that you feel when yeah. you go to school and you're spending time and money on something that, you know, you feel, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, but there needs to be a return on the investment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I think, you know, to your point about the job that didn't exist, right. It didn't exist when you were at Stanford or if, or if it did, it was, it was just, just beginning. Um, you know, and I often, I often re, I try to reassure my students and, and even, you know, when I could talk to high school kids and, 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 and have speaking engagements and, and just, preparing them that, you know, by the time they graduate, there are going to be fields that don't exist yet, right? They have yet to have started. There'll be jobs that don't exist now. And, and and that's exciting, right? To prepare yourself and to try to learn as much as you can and take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way and, and to create opportunities. And like you said, to not be passive, right? I always encourage my students, don't, education doesn't happen to you, right? You, you know, you can mm-hmm. you can take it, you can seize it. Um and do whatever you want with it. And so I, um, so I knew that much of your story. I knew what you were doing. And I, I, so I, yeah, I didn't want to let on too much because um, I, I think it's just fascinating and so cool. Um, and to see, I think, you know, to see where you find yourself. Um, um, that, that is just awesome. Cause it sounds like, the dinner conversations that you had with your father about equity and about mm-hmm. opportunity, it sounds like, you know, now you get to have them on a larger scale. <laughs> now you've got a whole, you know, a worldwide audience that you, you know, can, can engage yeah. in these, in these really important conversations. And that is just amazing. That, wow. Yeah. you. Uh, I mean, how do you, how do you, you can't, you can't dream that
1: up. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for, you know, drawing that through line mm-hmm. um, from my beginning to my now and hopefully my future that, you know, you're rooted in where you come from and what you learned and ho- hope to figure out ways to keep that with you and do good. And, you know, my father, I think he understands that my, maybe this is the, diff, like, slight differences between Mexican parents Uh, I know my father is you know proud I I know both my parents are proud of me um but it's easier for him you know to have me out in the world and his beautiful grandsons far away and and seeing you know the world that's been opened up to me to his, his his daughter and his grandchildren and I know my mother feels the same way but also I think you know she, <laughs> it's harder for her that we live far away and it's yeah. hard for all of us, you know, yeah. and that was not necessarily intentional, but it is a, a, a part of, um, you know, the journey and that sometimes jobs and opportunities are not necessarily always going to be close to home. And, you know, you, different people make different choices and I think family is incredibly important. Um, but I also know that I can keep them close in mind and in heart without being there. And I think about that with my kids. You know, I have a an eight year old and a ten year old right now. And I I'm good I will miss them if they choose to live in LA or London. Who knows where I'll live? But like <laughs> Tokyo, I don't know. I really want their world to be expanded bigger if yeah. they want to, you know. And yeah. if they also want to like, you know, live in the apartment next door for me. Cool. I'm especially excited <laughs> about that. But I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I wouldn't wanna hold them back. I want um I was I was given the opportunity to dream big and and have wings to fly, and I want to give the same to my children, and I want all kids, students, to have that. and uh, And it's not easy, you know. And and there's not you got to work for it and support yourself, and hopefully build a career that will make that possible. But I feel like um, you know my my story is one of being given. Uh, the opportunity and taking it. And so far I'll knock on my wooden desk here. So good.
0: So Erica, before we, before we go, any, any final words for our audience or, you know, pieces of advice for our listeners out there?
1: (sighs) Good question. Well, well, First of all, if you're listening to this podcast, cheers to you for uh, sharing, you know, investing your time in, in thinking about this um, and exploring what your journey might be. Um, because that's, that's an important first step. I think it's not, it's, it's, if, if you are having these kinds of conversations with your teachers or your family or your friends, even better. But, you know, putting your ears into this conversation means you're already starting to think about it. And that's a good sign. You're on the right path. And keep learning and keep exploring. Because if my story is any testament, it's to the fact that um, there's, there's, a, there's just so, so much to do, whatever, whatever, whether you're an engineer or scientist, that you can, um, sorry, I hope you can hear me. Okay, I had a little a call come in right when I was trying to have inspirational words at the end. Thanks, caller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that you know, follow follow your heart, um, yeah. and you'll be you'll be surprised at what happens. I certainly have been. I don't know what will happen. You'll find out. But uh, believe in yourself uh, and follow your heart, and that combination. Uh, I have a lot of faith in in how it works.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Erica, thank you so much. Thank you for thank sharing you, your Jen. story and for um, being so open and honest about your journey and, you know, um, the different directions that you took and, and sharing your work with us, um, what you're doing now, I think is incredibly powerful, incredibly important and just what an opportunity, what an opportunity for you. And, you know, I wish you continued success. Um, Professionally, personally, everything—you've got a beautiful family, um, you know—and um, so just, you know, congratulations and er- and everything. <laughs> um, Thanks
1: to you and all the work you do, and hosting this podcast and giving us an opportunity to share stories—that's what it's all about.
0: Well, yeah, no, thank you. Um, so this concludes this concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast. Thank you to our guest Erica Sotolam um and thank you to our listeners out there tune in next time for another episode we'll see you soon bye bye